Okay, you ready? You can hear me okay? Great, we're on? Perfect. Awesome. Let's go. I'm Peter Little, lead pastor at Christ Pacific Church in Huntington Beach, California. We're cultivating a community of faith, hope, and love that follows Jesus into the world. And you're listening to our Sunday Sermons podcast. To learn more about us or to subscribe to this podcast, visit us at cpchb.org. Thanks for listening. Lovely. Thank you, John and Karen, for uh, reading God's Word this morning. Now, after John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God, saying, The time has been fulfilled and the kingdom of God has drawn near. Repent and believe in this good news. Those are the words that Jesus uses to declare the gospel. Those are the words that he introduces the good news with. They're recorded in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. He declared the beginning of his public ministry with those words. And then after that declaration... Jesus goes on to demonstrate the good news of the inbreaking kingdom. And he demonstrates that good news by healing people's bodies, healing people's minds, healing people's hearts, healing people's relationships, healing people. All of that demonstration is recorded in Mark chapters 1, 2, and 3. And so now we're in Mark chapter 4. We just heard a portion of it. And in Mark chapter 4, after Jesus has declared the good news of the nearness of his kingdom, and after he has demonstrated the good news of the nearness of his kingdom, now he's telling stories to help us decipher what the good news of his kingdom actually means. What does that mean? So he declares the good news, he demonstrates the good news, and then he helps us decipher what that good news is. I wonder if this is a model for us. Declare, demonstrate, help decipher. As we think about our neighbors who haven't yet heard or listened to or understood or entered into the good news. It's our demonstration of the good news that gives our declaration of the good news weight. Right? Our actions make our words credible. And so we demonstrate what we are actually saying. We not only announce good news, we become good news people. And then when people hear the good news declared and they experience the good news demonstrated, they get curious. Why are you like that? Why do you do that? Why are you so concerned about people who are down and out? Why are you so concerned about being a person of integrity? Why are you so concerned about the restoration of your relationships? Here's a good one. Why do you give so much money away? That's crazy. Have you seen the economy lately? People get curious. And then maybe that's when we get to help them decipher what the good news actually means for them. Declare, demonstrate, and decipher. Today we're going to listen to Jesus as he helps us decipher what the good news of his kingdom actually is. And as Jesus says in verse 23, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. 
Let's pray and then we'll listen and God will help us understand. Lord, would you open our ears, our minds, and our hearts so that we can hear and understand and enter into what it is that you're saying to us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, by the way, um, there's going to be a bunch of prizes given out at the end of the worship service for people um, who can figure out um, how many P's I actually use to walk through um, all the main points of this sermon. I'm just kidding. There will be no prizes. Um, but you will have uh, the benefit of being able to brag about that. So, um, you know, if you get bored or whatever, just listen to, uh, listen for um, all the words that start with P. You're welcome. <laughs> then Jesus added, this is verse 24 again. Then Jesus added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. This, I think, is a throwback to the parable of the four soils that Jesus just told in the verses before this, which we looked at last week. The person who listens to the word of the Lord is like the good soil. The good soil that receives the seed, which then can germinate and grow and ultimately bear fruit. But the person who does not listen to the words of Jesus is like the soil that was hardened and so when the seed was sowed onto this hardened soil, it could not germinate and therefore could not grow or ultimately bear any fruit. In fact, not only does it not germinate, but Satan comes and snatches the seed away. This is what Jesus is after, I think, when he says, for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away. So pay close attention to what you hear, says Jesus. Hint, pay close attention. There's your first P. Verse 26, Jesus also said, The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground night and day while he's asleep or awake. The, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crop all on its own. First a leaf blade pushes through, then the head of wheat is formed, and then finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle. Because the harvest time has come. Now, farmers get this. Even hobby gardeners understand this concept super well. There's, there's nothing you can do to make anything grow. Sometimes, in fact, sometimes despite our best efforts, a plant does not grow. And then at other times, when we do hardly nothing for the plant, it seems to flourish. A couple years ago, Krista and I planted a pearl acacia tree in our back patio area. We were very excited about this wonderful tree. We did all of the things necessary to make this tree flourish. All the things. It's dead. <laughs> it didn't make it. It never looked good. It never flourished. It's dead. In contrast, uh, just about the same time, a little bit before that probably, maybe a year before that, we planted um, a white bird of paradise in our back patio area. I would not recommend this. 
the bird had been um, in like a two-gallon uh, Lowe's pot or something for a couple of years, and so it was like four feet tall, had a couple of like a couple of stalks, and, and that's how the bird was for a couple of years. And then we planted it in the ground in our back patio, and now it's 25 feet tall. It has like six or eight giant stalks. It's a tree. It's not a plant anymore. In fact, it's kind of ruining our back patio. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend this. The kingdom is like a farmer who spreads seed on the ground, and whether he sleeps or is awake, he does not understand how the seed actually grows. We are farmers, and our role in this parable is to sow seeds. We can't make the gospel grow anywhere. We can't make the gospel grow in our neighbor's hearts. We can't even make the gospel grow in our children's hearts. But we can sow seeds. That's what farmers do. That's what we are called, invited, supposed to do. Plant seeds, sow seeds. It's only Jesus through the work of the Spirit who can make anything grow. In fact, it's only by the power of Jesus that anything grows. Hint, your second P, the power of Jesus. And so we, we faithfully sow seed. Just keep sowing the seed. And by the way, what does faithful sowing actually look like? Well, I think it looks, first of all, like trusting, trusting that the power of the King is enough. Farmers do this all the time. They sow with faith that the seed will germinate and grow. In fact, they, they bet their whole livelihood on their faith that the seed will actually grow. And so also, we plant seeds in faith. We just trust, like, God, please do what only you can do. I trust you. That's why I'm sowing seeds right here and right now. I think the faithful farmer is not only a farmer who trusts, but is also a farmer who is intentional. Think about this. I mean, farmers are like maybe the most intentional people that you know. They get up very early in the morning. They apply themselves to the work that is set before them. They work super hard, sowing seeds, cultivating soil, pulling weeds, watering, fertilizing, I don't know, doing whatever farmers do. I'm not a farmer. Faithful farmers also are very intentional about where and when they sow seed. Right? They don't just toss seed in December, not where I'm from. They're very intentional about when and where they sow seed. And so also we are invited to be intentional. They're not just, not just sit back on the couch and watch TV and wait for God to do something, but to actually intentionally and actively sow seeds of the gospel Faithful farmers are also really good at waiting. Um, I hate waiting. Uh, <clears throat> Holy Spirit, please grow the fruit of patience in me. Um, we are, I don't think I'm the only one with this problem. We're not very good at waiting. It is not a natural human trait. It is a fruit of the Spirit. So here you go. Once again, it's only by the power, P, the power of the Spirit that we actually can grow in our capacity to wait on the Lord. Listen to Psalm 27. This is verse 13 and 14. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, King David says. And then he goes on, wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. David can wait for the Lord because he really believes that he's going to see the goodness of God. 
So he'll wait, and he'll just keep waiting because he believes the goodness of God is going to sprout forth. But what if you're in the valley? What if you're like, how long, O Lord? How long do I have to be in this valley? How long in this adversity? How long in this difficulty? How long in the midst of this persecution? How long, O Lord? Do you know wise farmers intentionally plant seeds in the fertile soil on the valley floor? Where is the soil most fertile? In the valleys. I'm a mountain guy. I love the mountains. There are a few places in the world I would rather be than on some alpine summit. But the thing about alpine summits is they're terrible places for anything to grow. It is inhospitable up there. It's in the valleys where all the rich soil is. That's where stuff grows so well. God gave me this cool gift this week. I was preparing uh, to preach on this text, and um, up comes Maverick City Music. We sing a bunch of their stuff here. And uh, they wrote this really cool song called I Shall Not Want. You guessed it. It's based on Psalm 23. Here's the best line of the song. It goes like this. The green only grows in the valley, and that's where you are. Are you experiencing adversity? Are you experiencing difficulty? Resistance, pain, loss, grief, it's in the rich soil of that stuff that the gospel often grows the best. That's fertile ground. So maybe, maybe just wait. Wait there. Wait on the Lord. If you're in the valley, how long, O Lord? Maybe he wants to say, like, as long as it takes. So just wait. The psalm tells us in Psalm 27 that when we wait on the Lord, we become stronger and more courageous. And if that's not actually fruit, well, that is fruit. You know, when you, um, when you plant a new tree, it's a really good idea to provide some structural support for it. A uh, new tree, you put it in the soil, uh, its roots haven't become established yet. It's probably um, kind of been uh, like crunched in a pot or whatever. And uh, so you have to provide, or it's a good idea to provide some structural support so that when the storms like we've had the last couple of weeks come, uh, they don't blow over this vulnerable tree, which has just been planted. And so I learned this um, from uh, Susie Olson, who uh, was educated as a landscape architect and is also a master gardener. Um, she said, you know, when you provide this structural support for a tree like this, it's really important that you do so in a way that allows the tree to move. Um, and so very often what you will see is uh, two posts. Um, like, you know, usually you get a tree, it's got that one post that's like duct taped to the trunk of the tree. Um, that's a really bad situation for the growth of the tree. And so I usually provide two posts, and you put straps between the posts and the tree, uh, but you leave them a little bit loose, those straps anyway, so that the tree can move a little bit in the wind, but not too much so it doesn't tip over in the wind. And the reason that you do that is because it is only when the tree moves that the tree begins to grow its roots into the local soil. The tree has to experience that movement, and that's what actually sparks the growth of its roots into the surrounding soil. 
Somebody after the first service came up to me and said, oh my gosh, did you hear about what happened in the, in the biodome somewhere in Arizona? I was like, no, tell me what happened in the biodome. And he said they planted all these trees in this perfect atmosphere, this perfect environment, right? It's all controlled. Everything, the humidity is all right. And after a while, the trees just started falling over. And the reason is because there's no wind in the biodome. It's in the presence of adversity that we become strong. It's when the wind blows against us and we have to learn and grow in resistance against that, that our roots grow deep and strong. That's the rich soil of adversity. And so we intentionally sow seed. We wait, we trust, especially in the valley. Because at the end of the day, it's only the power of the king who can make anything grow. Let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. Verse 30, Jesus said, How can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches, and birds can make nests in its shade. This is really fun. Uh, mustard is a wild, a wild weed. It grows pervasively. Hint, there's another P. It grows, because I know you're all taking notes on this. I can see you jotting down all these P's. Um, uh, mustard seed is a wild weed. And it grows pervasively. It turns out it also grows invasively. It's in, an invasive species in the state of California, and it has taken over many landscapes. It looks real pretty. In fact, it's probably going to look real pretty here in a minute because of all of the rain. It looks real pretty as it lights up hillsides in bright yellow, but it's actually an invasive species. And it turns out that once mustard seed is sown into a soil, you can scarcely get a place rid of it. So I was reading this interview that um, an ecologist for the Park Service named Joseph Algers was given NBC, and um, he was talking about the invasive nature of these mustard plants and how he and a whole corps of volunteers spend an enormous amount of time and energy in the Santa Monica Mountains trying to get rid of this invasive mustard plant. And he admits it's an uphill battle. And then he says this. He says, it would probably be easier to get another man on the moon than to get rid of this invasive plant on a regional scale. You can't get rid of it because it grows so pervasively. That tiny mustard seed, once it's sown into the soil, you cannot get rid of it. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? Do you hear him? Do you hear the good news that he is delivering for us? You cannot stop the gospel. You cannot uproot the gospel. Look at the early church. You can literally try to kill the gospel, and it just ends up with a more resilient church. Look at the church in places like China today. You can try to force the gospel out, but the result is just an underground church that is flourishing and growing like mustard plants grow in the state of California. This shouldn't be a surprise to us if we look at the one who founded and perfected our faith. If we look at Jesus. You know, the religious officials, they tried to shut up Jesus. What happened? Multitudes, thousands of people gathered to hear him teach. Then the Roman authorities 
They tried to kill Jesus. What happened? Easter. He rose from the dead. You can't stop the gospel. The kingdom of God is like the pervasive and invasive mustard seed. Once it invades people's hearts, you cannot get rid of it. He says that the mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds. It's actually not, but he's trying to make a point here. And it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It's not actually the largest, but he's really trying to make a point here. It grows long branches and birds can make nests in its shade. Remember, he's, you know, he's not trying to be a scientist. He's trying to teach us about the nature of the kingdom. He's telling a story. Just as birds can make nests in the branches of this mustard plant, so the kingdom is a home for anyone who wants to live there. And it's not just an ordinary home. It's a permanent home. There's another P for you. The kingdom of God is a permanent home for you and me. So that when we say things like, you belong here, we are saying your home is in the kingdom. Your home is where Jesus' heart is. You belong here. So welcome home. Welcome home. It is for this place, the kingdom, your home. It's for this place that you've been created. It's for this place that you've been redeemed and are being restored. And it turns out this place is a relationship. We began this morning with Jesus' words, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Now, it's admittedly sometimes difficult to understand what Jesus is saying. It's difficult, admittedly, sometimes to understand the Bible. Sometimes this stuff is a little bit thick. And you know, even the disciples, the early disciples, 12 of them, they often didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. They didn't understand his parables, which is why Jesus had to explain himself to them. He had to help them decipher the nature of the kingdom. And our text from Mark 4 ends with these words, verses 33 and 34. Jesus used similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables. But afterwards, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them. When he was alone with his disciples, let's turn that around. When his disciples were with him. When his disciples were present with him, there's another P. When his disciples were present with him, they came to understand. Being present with Jesus is the means by which we listen and understand God's word. That's how it worked with the original disciples. It's how it works with us. When we're present with Jesus, when we're attentive to him, that is the means by which we can finally actually listen and understand. And, and, don't miss this, and it's also the end that we're after. Being present with Jesus is the means and the end. That's what it's all about. So if you've been perceptive this morning, you have seen that I've used a whole bunch of P's to help us put all of this together. We pay attention to Jesus. It's by the power of Jesus alone that his kingdom grows. And the growth of his kingdom, by the way, is pervasive. And Jesus' kingdom is where you and I have a permanent home. And it's presence with Jesus 
that is both the means and the end to listening and understanding God's word. Now, one final P, and I'll end with this. Put Jesus' words into action. Jesus' teaching reveals the nature of his hearers. If we hear Jesus' teaching and we recognize that teaching as the word of God, then our hearing cannot stop with simply hearing, but must issue forth in a response of faith and obedience and gratitude. Hearing Jesus is synonymous with obeying him. Put his words into action. And every time that you and I fail to respond to Jesus' voice, we are allowing a little bit of spiritual wax to build up in our ears. And every time we fail to respond to Jesus' words again, a little bit more spiritual wax builds up in our ears until it's very difficult to hear God's voice at all. But every time that you and I respond to Jesus' voice, the best we can, Jesus, I'm not super sure what you're saying, but I think this is where you're leading me, so I'm going to move out in faith and trust that you'll redirect me if I've got this wrong. That's called a response of faith. Anytime we respond in faith and gratitude to Jesus' words, then a little bit of that spiritual wax gets cleaned out of our ears, and we can hear his voice better. And then we respond to Jesus in faithfulness again, and we can hear a little bit better. And then we respond to Jesus' faithfulness again, and we can hear a little bit better. And it's this kind of obedience that Mark chapter 4 is all about. Because such obedience reveals those who have ears to hear. So all of you who have ears to hear, listen and obey. Amen? Amen. Thanks for joining our Christ Pacific Sunday Sermon Podcast. To hear more of our sermons, or to subscribe, or to learn how you can be engaged with what we're up to in Huntington Beach, please visit us at cpchb.org.